Good afternoon. This is Pastor Casares. Uh, I just want to give a short study of the verse where it mentions appointed into man wants to die. Many leaders they preach that and they stop reading the verse. They stop right there. And I believe they stop there to put fear into people because it says that it is appointed into man wants to die, then the judgment. But it says, but Christ, that but is a big but. I mean, it is a big B-U-T. It's a big but. It That's where it connects his faith with your life. Not your faith with his life. Your faith, his faith with your life. The life of Christ, the life of God in you, of a life-giving spirit in you, and his life in you. His life and your life as one that's it as one just between you and him one there's no you there's no him it is one it is life giving spirit Christ that's it okay so is it really appointed unto a man once to die and then the judgment let me ask you a question. How many times did Lazarus die? Unless you believe he is a he is physically alive today, then you know that Lazarus died and was raised from the dead, but then some years later he died a natural death again. <clears throat> so he died twice. Plus what about all those thousands of people in our day who were clinically dead for some time and then came back? So maybe just Maybe this verse has been used out of context. Maybe we should be willing to revisit our assumptions. Maybe our idea of future judgment isn't even in the Bible either. So let's reread the passage. Hebrews 9:24 says, "For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself." Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as a high priest enters a holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment and that's where a lot of leaders stop reading they do not continue and it is sad that they do that then it says so Christ but Christ also 
having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Without a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. What a life-giving passage when understood in its historical and biblical context. Remember, Hebrews is written to Jews before the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. The author is warning the believers not to return to the law system because it was going to be destroyed at his coming. That coincided with it. Do we die once, twice, three times? First of all, let's address this idea that this is speaking about all people. This is not a simple question, actually, because on the one hand, the word anthropos, which is 444, which is man, also the generic term for mankind, the human race, or the race of man, people, including women and men. Matthew 4:19 and 12:12. 12, 12. It relates to both genders, male and female, as both are created. Okay, as both are created in the resurrection of Christ as a life-giving spirit in the image of the Holy God, each equally vested with individual personhood and destiny. Galatians 3 verse 28. But this word is plural, men, and sometimes it, it just refers to a few men in front of them, not all mankind. When Jesus calmed the wind and waves in front of the disciples, the word men means them in particular, not everyone. Matthew 8 verse 27. The men were amazed and said, but then it says, but the, uh, okay, the, the, the new... The New Amplified Version says, The men were amazed and said. King James Version says, But the men marveled, saying. And the International says, And the men marveled, saying. So there is some ambiguity here, but I think the answer is found in the representative nature of Jesus as a high priest here in the passage. That is the context. A once for all mankind sacrifice so it is appointed for a man to die once okay but Lazarus died more than once all those raised from the dead died more than once so he cannot be talking about a strictly physically physical death this must be referring to Christ's representative death for all mankind 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 14 reads Christ died for all Therefore, all died with him. Romans 5.18 says, So then, as through one offense to all men, it is to condemnation. And that was through the first Adam. So also through one declaration of righteous, it is to all men to justification to life or of life. And that is the life-giving spirit, the second Adam, which is the Christ in you for as through the disobedience of the one man which is the first Adam the many were constituted sinners see 
so also through the obedience of the one which was Jesus representing representing all mankind okay and at his resurrection as the Christ shall the many be constituted righteous men women of God you are a righteous son and daughter of God can't you see that when you realize this your members will your members will be slaves to righteousness your mind your hands your feet your body your eyes your mouth your speech everything will be slaves to righteousness but if you're living a mistaken identity or a false image as they have taught you in the churches that you are of the first Adam, a sinner, well, then stay there. But you will suffer the consequences of it. Being in Christ is a whole new ballgame. Being in Christ is life, is eternal. It is the exact life-giving spirit nature of God in you through Christ. Once you believe, because a lot of people are living in unbelief, they say, oh, Jesus is my Lord. Oh, Christ, you know, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, blah, blah, blah. You know, but yet, they still live in unbelief. Ephesians 2, 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when he were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's why it says, by grace you have been saved. Because Jesus is the Son of Man, which is the same word of the Greek, anthropos. He represented all mankind in himself. So his death was the death of all mankind. Jesus represented the first. I hope you understand this. Jesus represented the first, which is all mankind. He represented the first Adam. All mankind, you and I, all the world, mean, evil, ugly, everything, everything that was vile in man, he represented that. Okay? So, his being made alive meant all were made alive, which were born again with him. When he made you alive, you were born again. All this about being uh, baps, uh, being in a baptism, and they tell you, you know, they baptize you in water, and they tell you you are born again. Well, that's just a picture of what Christ did, of what Jesus did in his resurrection. 
Okay? That's... The water baptism is just you understanding, comprehending what he did. But if you baptize and you don't understand what he did, and you keep living the same ritual, same thing over and over year after year, through the leaders that have been bought by the Vatican, through their seminaries, through their colleges, you will not see a difference in your life. So it was all grace. You had no role in it whatsoever. So the death spoken of that collectively all mankind was appointed to is the one Jesus died for all already. Isn't that wonderful? When you see that picture, when you see that, when you see that, when you see the death spoken of that collectively, all mankind was appointed to is the one Jesus died for all already. You can never spiritually die. This is food for thought. There is another view that men who were appointed to die once were the priests and Jesus is the one who ever lives to make intercession as a great high priest. My God. Let's judge the timing of the judgment, shall we? The book of Deuteronomy, which is the law, it speaks of this judgment as something near to them. Okay, Hebrews 10, 26 says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled under the foot the Son of God and who has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? This is talking about you, where you don't believe or we don't believe and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. You have been sanctified. If you think you are not sanctified, then you are what you are regarding the blood unclean and the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted in the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. First, I want you to see that this judgment wasn't about sin, but about going back under the law system at that time. Then notice what he says about his coming judgment. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So when in chapter 9 he says Christ was coming again regarding judgment, it is clear that his judgment, that this judgment was something that had to do with those who were staying under the law, which is were the Jews, and or those Gentiles who converted to Judaism then to Christ as well as coming soon. This can be no other generation or scenario except A.D. 70. Peter speaking at the end of the Old Covenant age, which is A.D. 70, said, They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, but the end of all things is at hand. For the time has come for the judgment 
to begin at the house of God. Second Peter 4, 5, 7, and 17. The judgment was at hand, where God was ready and the time had come. Notice what Paul, Paul teaches. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. But in the previous chapter, Romans 13, he tells us when that judgment was going to take place. It is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us. And then when we believed, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Romans 13, 11 through 12. Jesus said, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels and reward each man according to his deeds. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 16, verse 27, 28. Romans bears out the timing of the judgment too as he quotes Jesus. Romans 2, verse 5 says, But after my hardness and impediment, heart treasures up, up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. That is an exact quote from Jesus, verse 6. And Jesus tells those disciples that his judgment was coming in their lifetime. Put on your happy pants. There is no future judgment. Now, many might tell me, he's a false prophet. That's a future judgment coming. Well, you know what? Test me. Test what I'm teaching you. Test what I'm speaking here. Test it. Don't just believe. Here is where you will put on your happy pants or get your panties out of a wad or your choice. Notice too in Hebrews that Christ appearing spiritually was to be a second time to bring salvation. This has to be the one of the most misused word in all the scriptures, especially by evangelicals. You will never find the word saved and going to heaven together in the New Testament. There is no passage that says, believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven. To save is to deliver. What did the believing Jews get delivered from in A.D. 70? Well, what was the problem in the book of Hebrews? They were being persecuted and threatened if they did not come back to Judaism. We find the persecution in the New Testament was primarily from their brothers, the Jews. Acts 17, now when they had passed through Amphipolis, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Again Paul in 1 Thessalonians said 2 verse 14 For you brethren became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. They were going to be saved at his coming from the persecution they were enduring from their apostate Jews. Because at that time the Jewish system would be judged once and for all. So what was the judgment? What was the judgment? It was a self-inflicted judgment of the apostate Jews.
Therefore, Rome, though postured as God's judgment, was nothing more than the effect of the Jews' rebellion prophesied by Jesus. In other words, it was a temporal, not eternal, and God wasn't the author of anyone's death. Instead, Jesus and the apostles played with them to flee Jerusalem when they saw the Romans coming, which is Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Jesus came to save his people from their sin, or sins, plural actions, not just the sin which is a noun in the New Testament. He came to turn them back from the A.D. 70 event, but many of them would not listen and killed him instead. His forgiveness of them did not stop the fruit of their actions from taking place. Instead, he gave them wisdom, trust me, and flee Jerusalem when you see the Romans. The word for judgment can mean separation. When the believers saw the Romans approach Jerusalem, they fled the city just as Jesus said. The ones left behind were the unbelieving apostate Jews. This was the separation of the sheep and the goats and the wheat and the tares. This is a form of judgment. They separated themselves from each other. There is no zombie apocalypse, but it was the judgment of the living and the dead. So Peter said the judgment including included the dead. Yeah. So what was the judgment of the dead? Jesus preached the gospel to everyone in Hades and raised them all up into the presence of Father God. What did this coming have to do with? He said in Hebrews 9 that it would be without regard to sin. Sin wasn't being judged by God. In the eternal spiritual relationship with God perspective, he already put away sin at the cross and doesn't relate to humanity regarding sin. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached. Also those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. For the end of all things is at hand. 1 Peter 4, 5, verse 7. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. 1 Peter Four, six. In other words, he judged mankind right with himself and made all who were dead in Hades alive and brought them into the presence of the Father in a literal way, instead of just representing them before the Father. <clears throat> in a final note, there is no future judgment coming for you. There is only the expectation that you will see him face to face. What about those who don't believe? They will believe and bow their knee willingly as they are overwhelmed with his love in that face-to-face -face moment. The Greek word coming, parousia, simply means presence. He at that point, A.D. 70, with the fall of the Jewish temple system, would only, would only relate through presence directly to, directly to all mankind. In other words, his presence was an end to institutional religion from his perspective. Today we live in Revelations 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice in the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with mankind, and he will dwell with them, and they themselves will be with his people. And God himself with them will be their God. I hope you'll be blessed. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Be safe. And don't let no one, no one, stop you from believing that you are righteous and holy in Christ. 
If you are in Christ, you have his nature. There's no such thing, okay? There's no such thing as being in Christ and being a sinner. Be blessed. Have an awesome afternoon, Friday afternoon, and be safe on your 4th of July. Bye-bye.